Oh, yeah. Second time's the charm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the rest review. That man's name is Dylan Kip Gott. My name is John Hastings. Yes. And uh, welcome to part five of the worst thing we've ever done as a podcast. And we reviewed Buck Zoom Off in what is one of the more awkward things we've ever done. We're talking about Billy Gunn today. Part- yeah, because John was jacking off the whole time. <laughs> John was what? What did you say? What did you fucking say about me? I said you were jacking off. I said you were masturbating. No, no, no. Where's the weirdest? Where's the weirdest? Dylan, where's the weirdest place you've ever masturbated? Um, I don't know. Just a bunch of couches, really. I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I like, when you're staying at someone's house, how long into them, into you staying at their house, will you masturbate? I can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. I would have like I've stayed at people's houses and had sex with people at people's houses, but just jacking off in someone else's house is like, sorry man, couldn't help myself. I had to wrap one out. Yeah. <laughs> my good friend. I know how you feel. I've done it exactly. I've done it twice in my life, and both times was like, it's been a long time since stuff has come out of me, and it's either I do this right now really fast, or I'm about to get really emotionally weird. Oh, yeah, you just fucking throw on some slow jams and jack off. No thoughts of any sexual thing, just thinking of yourself. No, no I, just, I reach a certain point where it's like, I don't even need, I, like, I literally just need to touch it in a certain way, and it's just... Yeah, you gotta, cha- you gotta chamber those loads. Yeah, man, it's weird. You, you, you do yell that a lot at people. I remember you once yelled that at a homeless guy, <laughs> and he nodded at you. You were like, he's like, can I have some money? And you were like, you chamber your loads, bud? And he was like, no, and you're like, then no. And you just threw you threw a bunch of money in a sewer. I did. I threw all. I threw ten thousand dollars in a sewer, and I was like, I was gonna give you this, but you don't chamber your loads. Yeah, Dylan, oh, for those of you who don't know, Dylan won a lot of money uh, betting against the Toronto Raptors in the last uh, in yeah. the NBA Finals. It's weird. I bet against them on Game Five. It was a sadness hedge. Yeah, it's weird that Dylan. But it's also weird. Dylan's excuse was they don't deserve to win now. I do. <laughs> That's what I said. I said I want the money. We're going to man. We're going to talk about a period in a man's life where he did not win. The four years that, of course, your boy Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn was his stupid name. You may know him more. I'm sure the listener of these pod, this podcast, know him more as Kip James. And now, now he's free to be an artist. This is the Jackson Pollock years of. Monty Kip Sop's career, and then everything he did kind of looks like shit. Ah! Ha! Take that, Jackson Pollock, you fucking joke, piece of art shit. Joke, art joke. Who wants? Who wants to suck it? Who wants? Yeah, this is the Jackson Pollock part of his years because he started dating fourteen-year-olds. What about fourteen-year-olds? You cut out for a second. It sounded like you were just reading from some of your fantasy letters. Jackson Pollock's dated a bunch of fourteen-year-olds. Oh yeah, any this is a th- I, this is a theory I have, and it's pretty much proven. Which is, if you are a famous artist from the twentieth century, we should just rename that section "pedophiles." <laughs> it literally is just like, oh, you wouldn't understand his art. He's actually better than you. What's he doing to that baby? He's sucking its dick. <laughs> but you wouldn't get that, and it's fine because like. That reminds me of my dad's face yeah. oh, or you whatever. Don't understand what, uh, it, that shotgun blast bullshit. You don't understand about any actor, musician, or artist from the nine from pre nineteen ninety nine. But yeah, they were definitely monsters, but also nice guys. 
Like, here's something that no one ever talks about. Jerry Seinfeld dated a full-on teenager throughout most of his show, went to her fucking prom when he was in his late 30s, and everyone is just like, yeah, but he invented the soup Nazi, so let's give him a fucking pass. Like, it's the weirdest thing in the entire world. Him and Howard Stern didn't talk for 10 years because Howard Stern just kept calling his voicemail and pretending to be a pediatrician. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because Jerry Seinfeld was dating a fucking 16-year-old when he was like 39. Hey, man. Sometimes you like the dough, not the cookie. Oh, fuck you. Oh, gross. <laughs> that was yeah, recently yeah, yeah, yeah. told to you. In, that sounds like a rural Canadian thing said that was said to you. No, that's just my ta- my chest tattoo. But it's in like the affliction writing, so no one really knows what it says. They think it's just an ironic chest tattoo, but it's something I believe. Um, her name was Shoshana Lonestein, and he was 39, and she was 17. Yeah, man. I mean, shit was fucking gross. Like... What's weird is Dylan always talks about those times and he goes, when are we going back to those times? He's always like, that's when I want, I want to go back there. Yeah, that's when I take my glasses off and say, it's all a lie. I can actually see. When do we go back to this? Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, go ahead. The entire plot of the movie Clueless, which was released in 1993, was that uh, a senior in college, 22, dates a 16-year-old and she has just turned 16. And the movie starts on her 16th birthday. And essentially the subtext of the movie is she's 16. That's fucking sick. (laughs) Because like even them being like, oh, that girl's 18. Sweet. She's legal. And everyone going, oh, that's creepy. It's like, buddy, welcome to the early 90s. That's when they were like that five turned into a six. You're in your mid teens, which is the thing I sexualize. Yum, 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 yum. Ooh, You haven't gotten to the part of history that includes World War Two. Time to fuck. I remember specifically things getting a big laugh where it would be like, oh, it's your birthday. How old are you in the comedy club? And the girl will go 19. And then just a bunch of men would go. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. The comedian on stage would be like, every guy in here just fucking nutted. And then men would laugh. And then women would be like, oh, when? (laughs) When will they think feminism's a thing? It's not yet. Oof, eight nineteen. That's fresh. I liter- I remember vividly in two thousand and nine. I worked with two different headliners in Canada, of course, Canada. Uh, and one of them was. Both of them pointed out that there were guys wearing shorts in the front row, and they're like, "Shorts at nighttime, you're gay. That's for gay guys." <laughs> That's good stuff. Here's the thing about England. The reason why we don't have so many English uh, stories is because the shows are, there's two intermissions. So everyone just leaves. So you never really know what the old guys think. And that's the beautiful thing about Canada. You know what every one of the old guys thinks. You have driven a guy with an active drinking problem uh, to a rural gig. As opposed to in England where it's like, you know that if you spent 20 minutes with them. And I've spent some time with some of them. And they say some crazy ass shit. But also... Canadians are way worse people, so they say way worse stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, there's just way less of uh, <laughs> they see way less of a uh, road to success. So there's no like, there's a complete absence of professionalism. There's like one year where everyone thinks it could work out, and then it doesn't, and then they're like, well, time to talk about the waitresses. It's also really fun, is because I'm watching some people that are my friends become those new old guys, and it's the best watching them. Like, like you look at their Facebook posts. Like, oh, you should put up, look at one of your memories. And it was like, they're looking all hopeful. You look at their Facebook post now. This literally happened two days ago. And it was like, 
it just said Canadian comedy is a fucking meat grinder. And that was the only thing. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this guy got eaten up, though. We're talking, baby. We're talking Kip James. He debuts in the most TNA way possible. John, what's the name he debuts under? He debuts as, uh, you already revealed this to me during the last record of this episode that we, that fucked up. Uh, but I'm going to reveal it anyway. It was the New Age Outlaw, and they were shocked they got sued. It's insane to me. Like, why would you just go with, like, the pseudonyms of Billy Gunn? Why not just, I don't know, why not not bring Billy Gunn into TNA? Why not keep doing what was actually making you a good company, which was focusing on AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe, America's Most Wanted, um, fucking uh, Elix Skipper was fucking great. Triple X was a really fun fucking organization with a Lokai and Christopher Daniels, but no, we need to bring in Billy. And also, this isn't 1998 Billy Gunn. This is 2005, clearly on drugs, Billy Gunn. Yeah, but they want, and I'm sure, this is the other thing we don't ever take into account with Spike TV, is that they'll probably go to Spike TV and they get this deal um, piggybacking off of the fact that Spike TV just wanted wrestling, and then they can go to Spike TV and go, see, we have stars. Look, Billy Gunn. Oh, he was a star on the last show we had because I guarantee the network executive for Spike TV didn't look at it as wrestling. Oh, this is professional wrestling. This is kind of like athletics. They won't take this seriously because they see this man as a pro- as a diminished property. And in fact, in the first place, it was basically like if they had a sitcom just around Gunther from Friends. Uh, his name is Gunther. And if you ever get that wrong again, the show is over. Who's Gunther, you fucking idiot? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know Friends. Well, you should. It's a really, it's a really popular show. You can't be like, oh, I don't know Friends. Why were you too busy watching Little Kim videos in the '90s, Dylan? You were. Oh, sorry. I was yeah. actually yes. And also, I didn't hang out outside of West 49. You fucking friends uh, like I hung bitch. out of uh, an <laughs> Ottawa-specific version of West 49 called Top of the World. Hey, hey! I heard DC shoes are on sale. Cool. Anyway, my puka shell necklace is all used up. <laughs> Because I wear it at the shower. That was John. John's, John gelled his hair. I can't gel my hair. I it's gelled too my thick. balls. It absorbs the gel, much to the bewilderment of a lot of barbers. <laughs> what they tried to gel. Remember when barbers would just try and gel your hair I after? And I'd be like, no that. fucking gel. yelled at by a barber because he, my hair doesn't ab- ab- absorbs gel. And he said, Yo, I was just like, don't put gel in my hair because it won't do anything. And he was like, you don't know what you're talking about. He had a very vague, weird European accent, and then I kept absorbing. He's like, "You're wasting my gel." And I was like, "I told you, this is what was going to happen." I uh, I said, "Don't put gel in my hair," uh, and it was not because of any other reason other than uh, I don't want to look like a fucking dink. Well, that's shit. Well, how do you feel now that you have no hair, you bald fuck? I feel great. It's I'd rather have no hair than have gel in my hair. You know what? For one minute in my I'm life, give it to you. And what's weird is you. It kind of it. You you look good. Of course I do. I got a beautiful skull. I was rolled, rolled on my skull as a baby because my mom knew I would be a powerful testosterone baby. You were rolled on your skull? Yeah, you have to roll their head so I have a nice cylindrical head. That's why you have a nice head, probably because your mom rolled you a bit. Otherwise, you just have a big fucking cone head. I have a giant cone head. Let's not fucking beat around the bush here, boyo. (laughs) You're a bitch. Anyway... So he comes in, 
the New Age Outlaw is his name. That is quickly changed to The Outlaw. And he teams with... The Outlaw... They should have just called him The Outlaw from the fucking hoop. But instead, no. They should have just called him something out. Like, there's nothing you can go around. He has too much stink on him. Well, what... To, like be anything other than what he is which is like why why are you bringing this guy in you're exactly right like what does this guy add versus like there's a there's certainly people you can bring in and that's the weird thing about AEW right now is they're just they're not signing every single WWE guy like every single guy like the thing what they do with Ambrose is really good because you start with a champion. Here's the thing that AEW should not do is sign CM Punk. I think signing CM Punk would be an absolute disaster. Because he, I like CM Punk as a wrestler. He's clearly a liability of a human being. He's a bit of an asshole, and no one gets along with him. And he has a lot of money. Like, he probably would, I'm going to hot take, he would be a better MMA fighter, but I guarantee sometimes he's like, you can't tell me what to do. I won the WWF championship in, in 2011. And you don't want that energy in fucking the AEW locker room because there's a lot of indie guys who haven't been around really famous people and will kowtow to him. So they, if they want to turn AEW into TNA 2.0, ironically bringing CM Punk in is going to be a fucking great version of doing that. I don't know about that because, I first of all, I don't think he's ever going to wrestle again. Secondly, he never would have been a good MMA fighter because he's not athletic whatsoever. Like, that's the whole thing about why there was, in the old days, there were people who were actual shooters, and then there was Luthez. Luthez was actually charismatic and looked like an athlete, and I'm sure was an okay athlete. I'm sure Luthez was an okay athlete. But, if you put Luthez in a actual fight, boring people are gonna beat Luthez. Like, people who are not as charismatic, which is why... Whenever they had an NWA champion, they always had one guy who was the actual shooter. It's just that he was fucking Steve Blackman. Do you know what I mean? Like, Steve Blackman is the shooter. Steve Blackman is the guy who can beat the fucking shit out of people. And then your world champion is a guy like CM Punk who projects that he can beat the shit out of people. While in reality, like, fully does believe he can beat up anybody. But in reality, would just be worked by anyone. Like, just not, can't jump, can't run. Based on... As CM Punk's MMA performances, which I have watched all of, um, I I wouldn't beat him in a fight, but I would hurt him very badly in a fight. He got beat up. The last one, he legit got beat up by a reporter. That last guy was an MMA journalist. What are you talking about? He was a blogger. No. He was a blogger who fights sometimes. Oh, yeah. that's the best. Imagine you lose a comedy contest to a guy. To a comedy blogger. You lose a comedy contest to. Legit a reviewer, yeah. To a guy who works for All For One Review. <laughs> a guy at the Intero Bang destroyed me in a comedy contest, but I'm still the best. I can't believe one of the writers for the Comedy Tribune just fucking fucked me up at the. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. He comes in. What's digress, you fucking thick tongued idiots? It's digress. No, I said digress. Oh, it sounded like digress to me. Who come to near coffee, you fat-headed bitch? I feed off my own seed. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. I feed off my own seed. It gives me power. Oh, that's good. Every time I do it, I just I just scream, I charge my own batteries, and then I kiss myself in the mirror. <laughs> Those karate guys who drink their own pee, and now there's podcasters who drink their yeah, own cum. I, so. I got it from Mark Marin. I ran into him at a comedy club, and he was just like, hey, you know what you got to do? You got to drink your own <laughs> cum, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just get a bunch of nicotine patches and you put them on your fucking taint and then you know what? You date a 20-year-old and you emotionally manipulate her. 
<laughs> you convince her that she's you and you're him. What? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like Sam Kennison, only instead of cocaine, it's just a lot of weird stories that don't go nowhere. <laughs> I'm on glow so people don't suspect what I'm up to. <laughs> nothing nothing so, sexual. Oh, we got to talk about Billy fucking gun. No. No, we're not. We're 17 minutes in, and I don't want to talk about TNA on this program. Every time we do, it's the worst. Okay. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's because neither of us watched it, and it's just a bunch of confusing words. You have none of the context, and you're just like, well, why is there a fucking carnival now? Go ahead, Dylan. Explain to me what happens uh, during fucking Billy Gunn's terrible run in TNA. I do like TNA. I do like TNA. Here's why. Because when we read about it, it's like... It's like we're not even wrestling fans because it's like a wrestling fan reading what happens in wrestling with just because they have no context for how any of this could have even happened because <laughs> it's always like and then he beat him. There is a point later that I am delighted to tell you about. Actually, there is a point later that is so fucking funny. But anyway, um, play, he debuts as part of Planet Jarrett. That's Jeff Jarrett, Monty Brown and the outlaw. They start feuding with uh Kevin Nash which leads to a lethal lockdown match where um that's team Jarrett which is Jeff Jarrett, Monty Brown and your boy Kip Sop, Billy Gunn, the New Age Outlaw, the Outlaw against um that is Kevin Nash and oh shit. No, it's not Nash had a staff infection, so it was Waltman Page, Dallas Page, Page Dallas Page and uh, BG James, who is a special unknown member. This works a lot like the Elimination Chamber and War Games kind of thing. So there can't be a pinfall until everyone is in the match and then it becomes the match beyond, except not yeah, at all. For those of you that wondered wh why have they never done War Games in TNA, they have. They called it the Thick Thigh, the Thew, baby. That's what Dusty. Yeah. That's what. And Dusty Rhodes is He's the, the commissioner. I remember the promo leading into this match, and I remember that uh, Jeff Jarrett was in the ring, and Dusty Rhodes came out to explain this match, but his lisp was so bad that you couldn't understand what he said, so it sounded like this. That, that, ha, we're going to put you now in the match. No, it's the legend, baby. Da, da, we're going to put you in that thick side of the deal. And they, 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 they tried to boost the like crowd going crazy for it, but... The camera was on the crowd, and they were just sitting there stunned, but yet you still heard, <sighs> It was very weird. Yeah, this is every TNA feud. I'm so fucking mad at you, John. I challenge you to a tope on a rope match. What that is, is for the first minute, we have to pretend we're dogs. And then in the second minute, we switch to being cats. And then we quickly have to run, make a cake. The ingredients, this is, exa it's exactly like all those chef shows. We have a select ingredients, we have to make a cake in 40 minutes, and then whoever's cake is better gets their choice of tag team partner, by which is drawn from either Team 3D or the James Gang. And then, that's when the match starts. The match, of course, is a game of basketball, but instead of basketball, we use footballs. And instead of nets... It's a donkey, and you have to throw the football at the donkey. And then the person who wins that gets the gold watch, and the gold watch means, and it just goes on for two hours. I like all of that. The first match the outlaw has is a taped fist first blood match, which makes no sense because people just fucking tape their fists. Like, it's a, like 
People just tape their fists anyway. How about I'm going to challenge you to an elbow pads match? <laughs> we both get elbow pads. Yes, but now it's they're, they're going to have it's now first blood, baby. You have to understand, blood's now involved. What about a last blood match? So last per, last person to be bleeding loses or wins? Wins. Oh wait, loses. <laughs> yeah. That, so you, you have to, so you just have to cut yourself. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but I like it. No, that would be a, that's a Russo thing. Is bro? How about a last blood match, bro? It starts out they just run for the knives. They start stabbing each stabbing themselves. Like, I mean, I'm I wouldn't be fucking surprised if they did that. That's definitely what they would do. Okay, the last one I booked, admittedly, did not go that well. Okay, bro, because it was Mike Awesome <laughs> against the Big Boss Man. Yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> what is the most Vince Russo idea? I still think it's- they killed themselves. No, Bossman didn't kill himself. No, the biggest, the most Vince Russo idea is still that battle royal inside a fucking junkyard. That's the most, bro. Okay, bro, bro. Here's what we'll do. Yo, what's more hardcore than the ring? An actual junkyard where three people will have to retire because of life-threatening injuries. No, the most Vince Russo thing is something that the Outlaw has a placement match for, which is the reverse battle royal. What about it's a battle royal but backwards, bro? Why? Because I am unchecked. <laughs> no one. Uh, I just want to do everything different. How about the referees? The only one, the two people, bro. The two people are the referees and the referee has to wrestle himself, bro. It's the stupidest thing in the entire fucking world. Yeah, it's just being different for the sake of being different. What about the King of the Hill match? That was really fun as well. Yeah, that's why you have to watch all of King of the Hill and do an essay. First person to be able (laughs) to tell me what Boomhauer's job was um, gets to be the WWF champion. (laughs) <laughs> so what was Boomhauer? Uh, they do a lethal lockdown Dylan? match. Do you know what it was? I know what it was. You fuck. I don't know. He fucked people. He was a Texas Ranger. Um, who, yeah, good for him. So lethal lockdown match. I I mentioned the six competitors already, but I will oh. again. Team Nash was BG James, Dime Dallas Page, Sean Waltman, and then Team Jarrett was Jeff Jarrett, Monty Brown, and the Outlaw. Of course, Sean Waltman. The guy who uh, is injecting meth, as we talked about on the previous recording of this, injecting move from standing for three days. Do you know how fucking crazy that is? Jesus fucking Christ! Pins Monty Brown, who is their only new talent at this point, and a former Super Bowl champion. This is, in a nutshell, why TNA folded. They had one guy, one fucking guy, who they could have just—he could have just fucking murdered all these old dudes. Like, why do you need to keep the Road Dog, Diamond Dallas Page, and X-Pac strong? You got to protect one, two, three kid. You got to protect. That's true. Him. From himself yeah. with drugs. You got to protect him from himself, first of all. If he do- if he loses, everyone knows what happens when he loses. If he loses a match, he just yells, time to go up because I already went down. And you will not see him for days, but you'll hear a slight whistling and that's because he's done so much meth, his thoughts create a sound. <laughs> so, Billy Gunn is not a fan of the six-sided ring. Um, it was great for the high flyers, but like a guy like Billy Gunn, who basically did a lot of regular wrestling, plus a couple you know, pretty athletic spots, didn't work for. And this is like, you just have a bunch of small guys, and then ha- br- only bring in people who it would work for to have a six-sided ring. Do you know? Like, as, as weird as it sounds, Sean Waltman 
It works great, having a six-sided ring. And then you only bring in the cream of the crop as far as names goes. Like, even having Kevin Nash in, like, no stress. He was a former champ. Like, if you're opening a company, just only fucking former champs. And then people who would work, like... Um, I guess RVD is the best example. Like, he was a guy who actually, when he came in TNA, I was like, oh, shit, that'd be fucking cool. Because he's a high flyer in the six-sided ring. Makes sense for him. But a guy like, uh, ooh, what's what's the Billy Gunn going to do at a six-sided ring? The Famouser, but with the different rope he comes off of? Man, imagine the possibilities. What I was really... What I really loved about the six-sided rope was every time a new WWF wrestler came, it was their confusion on how exactly do I get in. That's very funny. <laughs> do I go on the top or... Which? Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to cry. How many times do you think um, uh, Billy Gunn got in that ring and then got lost count of which side he was supposed to use and then just almost cried? Because, again... Thing to stress, this is Billy Gunn going through his real druggy phase. As you can see, that his all of his skin has a thin layer of buttery fat underneath all of it. And all of his matches are essentially punch, kick, punch, kick, and then maybe a Famouser or also just some sort of fucking um, um, uh, weird suplex. Yeah. And uh, guess what? Watch this. What? May 15th at Hard Justice. The Outlaw beats Diamond Dallas Page and Ron Killings. This is the start of his feud with three live crew, which, of course, is Road Dog, Brian James, Conan, and Ron Killings. Also known as R-Truth, the 24-7 champion. The one thing you're also forgetting is uh, before Hard Justice, Chris Candido died from acute pneumonia brought on by post-surgery clots because he got immediately back in the ring as opposed to recovering from uh, crazy surgery because he needed the money because Sonny had spent all their money on drugs. Is uh, the implica- implicato reason, and it uh, apparently really bummed out Billy Gunn. Yeah, I mean, and your friend dying would bum you up. No, it's lame. <laughs> Not for no, you just you just keep Not doing me. fucking. If if any of my any of my friends die, I go ooh, now more time for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa, do you have a copy of their iCloud calendar? I'm gonna contact those gigs. Yeah, it's time for me to become them. I'm gonna get inside. <laughs> Later in that night, the outlaw participates in the number one contender's twenty man gauntlet match, which was won by Abyss. So he loses to Abyss. They're putting over the big kids. You know? Oh yeah, God thank God. Thank God Abyss actually wins a match. That's all I have to fucking say, because it's pretty fucking rare for that guy to win a match. Unless, you know, if Raven gets involved, <laughs> he's in trouble. If you are you're you can't be Billy Gunn is used to brought in to set up how good Raven is. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> Raven's so fucking good. Um, yeah. You can maybe beat Billy Gunn, but once you have to tangle with ECW champion slash Kimono Wanalea's ex-boyfriend, you're going to fucking lose. <laughs> um, so Billy Gunn starts feuding, not feuding, but like he kind of tries to re... It's a kind of a pro wrestling version of that movie where um, John Cusack stands outside the window with the, <laughs> with the boombox. Because he just starts showing up and being like, what are we doing here, Road Dog? Just be my partner. This is so weird because it's also one of those things where I, what I felt was clearly TNA had forgot they were a tag team. And then someone reminded them and they were like, oh, yeah. Because there was no reason for them to be feuding. They had name recognition going in. You could have clearly just put them together. But they were just like, no, no we're not going to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, this is also around the time where they do a great feud, which is they do they bring in Team 3D, the Dudleys, and the Dudleys immediately start feuding with America's Most Wanted, James Storm and Chris Harris, and they're kind of like, it, they do the thing where it's kind of like a passing of the torch, like uh, America's Most Wanted is doing great. Now, that's exactly how you'll use a team like this. Like an old school team is you have one of your new teams and them feud and then the new team beats them in a competitive feud where you don't just crush the old guys so that the other the new team gets like bullshit heat. You have them have a competitive feud where everyone has fun. YOLO. But instead, they just do feuds with old guys. As evidenced by this feud where Billy Gunn just comes out and basically goes, why aren't we together? And starts helping three live crew, but the other two members hate him because he's trying to steal. He's trying to steal he's Road Dog steal from the them. Best rapper in three live crew. Never forget. Free, yeah, free they're also rappers for sure. Wrapped their way to the ring, and it was really bad. Also, it was very. Ve- no, what's worse though? The fact that they definitely had to make sure that Road Dogg's mic wasn't live because he dropped hard ends with hard R's while pointing at Ron Killings most times he walked to the ring. <laughs> no, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that Billy Gunn... We're going to take a break here. Uh, but Billy Gunn had the worst merch of all time uh, because he had... He introduced himself with a shirt that said... N-I-N. No introduction No needed. introduction needed. Even though he had lots of names, so you weren't really sure what his name was. <laughs> yeah, really. Just call me Billy Gunn? No, I don't need an introduction. But also, here's my new three names. You already know my name. And he's like, it's Kip Sop. And it was like, no one could have guessed that. No one could have guessed it was Kip. Yeah. Those are two names I've never heard before. Your family tree starts at you somehow. That's a dog and a cat's name. <laughs> Here's my favorite thing, though. All right. He debuts some wonderful, wonderful merch, and it just says, I'm Kip James, bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is not only four years too late, five years even. It's so quintessentially wrestling to be like, we're really hopping on this crazy frog fad now. No, because that Kip James, is clearly he's trying to do I'm Rick James, bitch, which would have been right around this no, that's time. That's what I mean, though. It's No. Yeah. Rick James was, uh, that was like fucking 2002. Dave Chappelle show, you're fucked. How are you wrong about everything? I'm not wrong about it. It was not 2002. Chappelle show. It was 2004, 2005. It's 2004 when that happened, so it's only two years. Which for wrestling is pretty early, I gotta say. Yeah, but everyone's so fucking tired of it. Again, but I can't believe I'm defending this, but welcome to fucking wrestling. Like, this is what wrestling... Wrestling, if it gets to something in two years, that's really timely. I got a new character for the Usos. They love Gangnam Style. We're a year away from that. For sure we're a year away from that. <laughs> How much do you think that Vince McMahon, he walked in, he's like, Shinsuke, great idea for you. <laughs> Here's what style. no one talks about. The new, it, what? The, That's the, not Psy? Who the fuck did you sign me? The New Day is essentially their thing is like, they're black guys, but they're into gospel, which is like 30 years old, maybe? Yes, but then they they themselves change that to like who they are, which is nice. And I guarantee Vince is like, I don't know why they're cheering them. <laughs> I guarantee Vince McMahon can't understand why white people like black people that much. He's like, they're they genetically <laughs> don't get along. 
<laughs> you are aware that like <laughs> Kofi Kingston is about to get beaten by Sean Mike. Like Sean Shane McMahon's about to beat Kofi Kingston, and the internet is already on fire about it, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, Shane McMahon's really over. I mean, I don't. I mean, I just can't. Uh, I don't know. Some. I'm glad we do a podcast that's this style, where I we only have to watch one set of wrestlers' weird things, rather than like. God bless those people. Like, I think there's one wrestling podcast that legit does every day. And it's like, God bless those guys who just watch three hours of Raw. Like, fuck, fucking couldn't. Well, I'd have to have, that would have to be my sole income to make me do that. And I'd fucking hate my life. I'd probably have to start doing charity work or something just to feel like I, I did something. I don't know. The last time I watched most of a Raw is when Shane McMahon came back. And at a certain point, I fell so asleep. Like, I was just like, I got to lay down. It's so boring. I watched the Raw after Mania, and I was like, okay, all right. They just did a bunch of the matches from Mania again, and I was like, okay, all right, I'm I'm out of here. Well, the WWE is the best and biggest example of you can't let them know something is fun or cool because they really ruin it. Because when it was... Like, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, the Raw after Mania where the fans took it over. They were really confused by everything, all of that. That was really fun. Now when they're like, it's the Raw after Mania, the crowd's going to be weird. And then the crowd doesn't be weird anymore because they're like, we don't do that no more. They're like, oh, no, they're even weirder than we expected. (laughs) They're doing that weird silent thing. Yeah, they're doing that weird thing where they didn't buy tickets and they all went home early. Welcome to the Raw after Mania. My name's Michael Cole. I've been dead (laughs) since 2008. Um, So we're going to take a break because, baby, we got to talk about the reuniting of the New Age Outlaws in TNA. Yeah, get set your genitals to going inside your body cavity out of awkwardness. Oh, what a great show you're listening to. Halfway done. Time for some fun. I, I hate this. Uh, hey, everybody, come and see my Edinburgh show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival every day at 930 at the Monkey Barrel 2. Please buy tickets ahead of time. Tickets are surprisingly moving, which is not something I'm used to in my career. And then stick around at 11 o'clock. I'm watching wrestling and doing comedy and commentary with Cole Cabana at 11 o'clock. Also at the Monkey Barrel 2. And Dylan Gott will be appearing on one of the shows August. What day, Dylan? August 6th, 11 p.m. Come to the show. Jack off in the back. Don't listen. Close your eyes. Jack Close off. Close your eyes, and at the, we'll know that we'll all know the show is over when we're covered in the viscous fluid of wrestling fans. Oh, it's more clear than it is uh, white. They must love pro wrestling. Not in your hand. Wait till the end. Colt Cabana, say, I want to buy one of your T-shirts. Then present them with your cum. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, when we say present, we mean I want you to blow it in his face. <laughs> Blow a load in his fucking face. Thank you for listening. Now back to what whatever we're talking about. Do 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 do. It's just one of those days when your name kips up and you are addicted to drugs. You hang out with <laughs> you guys are kinda weird. You guys eat a lot of potato salad. Then you go to the ring and shit your pants. Do 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 do. Do, do. Check this you know, out. I think about way more than BG James and um, Kip Sop's TNA run is the fact that a mutual friend of ours one time uh, pretended to play new metal bass and then threw a bunch of chairs out of the Second City Toronto when an audition didn't go well, which would have been way more interesting on television than anything the James Gang did as a tag team. Go ahead, Dylan. <laughs> 
No, there was some pretty fucking... So, three live crew kind of worked somehow. Like, it was... Having Road Dog be the main piece was a bit cringe. Main mouthpiece, sorry. But, like, it worked. It absolutely worked. It was also one of those things where it fits so perfectly in the time because besides Kanye and Jay-Z, rap... Rap music was very popified in 2003, 2004, 2005, and that it was a lot of dudes in like white undershirts just saying things like, Yeah, we're gonna break it down, like bad. And so Three Life Crew really lived up to that. They were just clearly three men and smoked. Very, very funny. It was definitely three old men. And. Billy Gunn joined them as four live crew. <laughs> Shortly thereafter, this is the weirdest because they then they went they turned all their logos green and also it showed how bad at acting R Truth and Conan are because they were actively not impressed with Billy Gunn being there. Like you could tell they were just like I don't that's one too many crackers in this fucking cookie box, baby. Well, that was that was that was the storyline. So then they were good at acting, John. Or what? No, no, it's TNA. I guarantee that they just adapted to it because Vince Russo was like, "Bro, it's real, man. It's emotions." And then they like he took it one step further. He's like, "Oh, and it's revealed that they're all boyfriends and they do because they're all they have a combined age of 160, bro. That's what you need when it comes to young rappers, Everyone bro. What knows this is about rappers is they're fueled by each other. Matchup. <laughs> Winner gets to where a condom. Loser has HIV injected in them, bro. It's going to be totally fine. <laughs> so it's totally good, okay, bro? Bro. How about this match, bro? Two men get gay married, bro, and then we inject them with the HIV virus, bro. It's punishment from God, bro. Bro, here's the thing with AEW. Everybody knows it's just a conspiracy by fucking Israel, bro, to fucking get into the fucking America, bro. WWE is actually fucking working for the CIA. Trump, bro. Bro, bro. Trump, bro. Well, that's that's also... if I, don't, I only know this because I saw a, uh, a video that was recommended to me on YouTube, but... Uh, judging by just the um, just the description of the video, Vince Russo is now created his own subgenre of wrestling podcasts, where it's just wrestling conspiracies because everything in the world is bad. Um, he hasn't really created it as he also just no one will talk to him anymore because he's burned so many bridges and he said so many lies. But none of the other sort of big rest will have him, on. and he gets attention when he just says crazy ass shit. So he just keeps trying to say shit. Like his, That's a good idea, though, yeah. His last big one was he he uh, served uh, Jim Cornette with a restraining order, but everyone alienated him after that, and Jim Cornette took the restraining order as produced and now sells them on his website. So essentially Vince Russo... That's very funny. Vince Russo is just now like the little bitch of pro wrestling and is very sad and alone. Like, bro, why won't nobody be my friend? I invented the four-life crew, bro. Without me, they would have just been the no-life crew, bro. <laughs> but he doesn't cry because he's like, that's what a week... That's what a weak man does. I'm not a weak bro. I'm strong. <laughs> but this does lead to the four live crew does one of the still a tag team in TNA, which is the Latin American exchange. Conan is the manager. And after a couple partners, Homicide finally finds Hernandez and Homicide and Hernandez are a great fucking tag team. And they start feuding with the James gang. So you have an opportunity to do the thing they should have done, which is this young Tag team beats the old tag team, but what happens at Against All Odds? Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. 
Uh, LAX beats them, and then it rejuvenates the tight team in uh, the tight team division within TNA, and that becomes another uh, jewel in their crown, allowing them to diversify and be a different product than the WWE. They stop relying on old wrestling talent to come in and cut promos that are very awkward, and actually establish themselves as an independent brand. Is that correct? Almost. The James Gang beats the LAX three times, once with the help of Barb Armstrong. Yeah. And uh, then on the my favorite, April 23rd, TNA Lockdown, Bob Armstrong with the James Gang beats Conan with LAX in an arm wrestling match in a cage. <laughs> I like all that. <laughs> Why is it in a cage? Can't escape the arm wrestle now. Why the fuck does anyone think arm wrestling is a good idea? Do you, you ever arm wrestled someone? You ever arm wrestled them in a cage? It makes it so much more hardcore. I just don't understand. It's like this is what, what, like what? Who's interview? Like who's interfering in arm wrestling this much that they need to have a fucking steel? And is the steel cage just around the arms or around their bodies as they're fighting? Uh both. Ooh, double cage. <laughs> they're in. They're in a Russian doll worth of cages. There's 38 cages <laughs> of increasing size. So many cages. And they have to, you have to win an arm wrestle, and then the arm wrestle inside the next cage, and so on and so forth. The match took six hours. Wow. How many cages did they have to set up before they could have this match? Six cages? <laughs> they set up 30, 38 cages. Wow. Yeah, they did. That's a real thing. No one checked that. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Don't. Don't research anything we say, because it's all... No. <laughs> the Hearsay Podcast. Yeah, it will. it's so accurate, it'll blow your fucking mind. So earlier on, I did say the Dudley Boys at this time were feuding with uh, the America's Most Wanted, and uh, I did... I think that was still... All right, so in September 2005, uh, the Dudley Boys as Team 3D joined TNA. Now, this is where it gets fucking beautiful. This is when I knew TNA fucking sucked because <laughs> TNA uh, books a Team 3D versus uh, the James Gang confrontation, which is who's the best tag team of all time? Simple. They've never really feuded in length in the WWF, they just missed each other as far as relevance in the WWF. That is a layup feud, John. That is a layup. It's going to be a fun feud. You see these guys fight. Fun, fun feud, right? Right. What do they do? They have a yo mama battle. I know. It's really good. And it's much better than them wrestling because they're all very quick-witted. It's great. No, 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 no. Do not um, think that I wanted to see That's true. teams wrestle. What I wanted to see is the James Gann almost win and then Spike Dudley came in and chased them off. Fuck you, TN. Yo mama jokes. Yeah. Why have them wrestle? You shouldn't. Also, they, but this actually does lead to one good thing, which is a weird thing that TNA did, which was sort of a return to ECW, is they just pretended that Spike Dudley was cr incredibly intimidating. So they had to. Br so the James Gang had to bring in Abyss to be their third against Kip, which I always thought was a very funny move. It's very funny. Yeah, they have a six-man match where it's the James Gang and Abyss. Because <laughs> Abyss is just hanging out everywhere. And Abyss. Fuck it. Why not? It's Abyss. He's really good, though. Okay, bye. 
So now we go pure Russo, which is November 2006. Kip and BG start uh, showing their displeasure in TNA and want to go find work elsewhere if they don't receive a gold soon. So they begin doing the crotch job, which is, you know, of course, their DX. And uh, they start calling out Vince McMahon and they start calling out uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Sean Hickenbottom. Ooh, they get so mad, they come back. They reemerge a few weeks later as the Voodoo Kin Mafia, which is... Worse. A- this was so bad. I remember yeah. the first time in the wrestling journalism. Like, listen, Dave Meltzer and fucking Brian Alvarez and all those other fucking mega nerds were not nearly as nerds. sarcastic and fucking judgy as uh, they are now. 13 years ago this was the first time where i actively remember you would look at the websites and there was you could feel the eye roll as they're like these fucking losers have fucked up their company and this is what they're doing now what a bunch of cucks it's within a year it's within a year that they've like completely fucked up everything in the company like this is vince russo thinking that he's going to stir some controversy because everyone is a smart mark wrestling fan when in reality the majority of tna's audience was just southern wrestling fans who wanted to watch a wcw style product and the only thing that they really liked and got into was fucking james storm as the cowboy years later where it's like just have a fucking he was also a drunk. He was also a drunk. You're forgetting the other part of the James Storm character is he was a drunk cowboy. That was what made it great. Yeah. That's what's great. Just fucking... Buddy, bring back Tully Blanchard. You know what I mean? Like, he just... It's the NWA, guys. You have a separate star system. Just a bunch of guys in dirty boots beating the shit out of each other. But instead, you're going to do... Which they redo is they redo the DX invasion of WCW, but it's the VKM uh, standing outside WWE Stamford headquarters, and they can't afford a megaphone for some reason, <laughs> so they just use a pylon to yell. And I kept wa- I watched it, and I was like, that's not a, like that's like a regular-ass pylon. Like, he's putting his lips up to some dirt. <laughs> he's just swear, sucking dirt. a couple other things. First of all, they clearly knew the... Lega- like, a lawyer explained to them what spike tv can show legally without indicting them getting them into trouble because they knew that the wwe would be like let's get jerry mcdivitt to review this tape to make sure that there's anything we can sue about will will sue is that they're stood directly on the property line they're yelling into something that doesn't make enough noise for them to get noise complaints they're using only the uncopyrighted names of paul um levesque and sean hickenbottom they don't mention Vince's name at all once, and it's so fucking cringy because on the TNA website yeah. to promote this, they showed the blurry WWF, WWE logo and went, where could they be? It's like, you know where they are. Don't be fucking dumb. Yeah, and also the fact that it's two old men using a, like a video on a phone for the first time, so it's just like this blurry image and just the whole, like, when you call your parents on FaceTime, how it's just like their neck and then their eyes, somehow they don't even have their mouth in the picture, just like, yeah, we're gonna fucking fuck around, and it's like these, when they did this before, they were young men. Now they're old men. There's no connection to pop culture whatsoever. It's like it came across way more as, like, your fucking bitch stepmom cheated on me. I'm going to go outside her house and yell at Karen. <laughs> you know, it's just fucking... 
Well, it also came across like the thing to remember about the time they did it in WWF is they had Bruce Pritchard stood next to them and a bunch of producers and some cameramen. It's TNA. They clearly you buy. I will then use because I'm also an intern here and my dad will pay for it. But can you film this segment on your way back from the Apple store in New York, please? When was the first iPhone? Because this is 2006. They were using a Nokia camera phone. (laughs) You can see them playing Snake on it afterwards. (laughs) I'll send you a text, but there'll be a lot of misspellings. Yeah, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of sixes because it takes a while to text on these things. Dylan still has a Nokia. He uh, says, because all the photos are there, if I put on the cloud, I'll go to jail. Then he makes a kissy face noise and then doesn't sleep with his wife. It's just fucking pathetic, this fucking shit they do. It's So the Hardy Boys do an open challenge. Oh, this, I was watching TNA on the regular at this point, and it was. This is sad. Again, because also all the WWF guys they had were all clearly on drugs. Yeah, this is this is a lot of like fuck. Who ah? There's like there's a band analogy I'm going to here, but I can't figure it out. But anyway, this is a lot like oh, I'm not in the big time anymore. I might as well just fucking just fucking let the fucking pills fly, baby. If the, if the WWE was Motley Crue, TNA very quickly just became the Vince Neil band. No one really wants Yeah, exactly. No one knows why they're there. And honestly, they're fucking sad now. Oh, so sad. So they try and answer the Hardy Boys open challenge. And they say, hey, people were chanting VKM. It's like, no, they weren't. weren't. (laughs) No one was chanting. People used to give TNA chants because people were actually excited about TNA. And that was due to Joe Daniels, uh, the fucking Motor City Machine Guns. These guys, they thought a new type of wrestling is going to happen. The high flying, fast wrestling. They're not excited because the road dog shake, rattle, and roll isn't a knee drop anymore. Because if he drops another knee, he has to go for knee replacement surgery. Yeah, it's fucking awful. Like, this is so. They have a million dollar challenge, which is they the, the VKM Voodoo Ken Mafia, heretofore known. Um, they million dollar challenge to Vince McMahon for a shoot match with Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and apparently a WWF house show, and it was reported on the TNA website. The million dollar challenge, yeah. by the way, was we- real. Dixie Carter's dad was willing to put up the money because he knew it would be good for his company. This poor man wasted so much money yeah. on just not having his daughter be drunk in his house. <laughs> that's really what it was it was like he must look at like like kind of like other kids of other billionaires and he's like why couldn't you have just wanted to be a fucking influencer that would have cost me 30 grand a year yeah why did you have to why did you want to become really good friends with sean waltman yeah why do you have to hang out with these carny pillheads? You know what the funny thing is? She was hanging out with the same people a crack addict would, but she herself was not addicted to crack. Do you know how jarring that must be for a parent? That's very funny. That's very funny. <laughs> You're just hanging out with the dudes from The Wire? She's like, I was going to go uh, try and pick up some copper wire and sell it. Okay, honey. But you're not smoking? No, they're just smart guys. Oh, how dumb are you? Yeah, I just en- I just enjoy the artistry of it all. Billy Gunn's gonna tell me how to sell a T-shirt at a carnival where you don't have a, bu- a booth. Um, also, fun things: uh, if you type in "wrestlers who fucked Dixie Carter" into Google, first thing that comes up: Jim Cornette implies Kevin Nash slept with Dixie Carter. 
Number two, Sonny talks about which wrestler was the best in bed. Number three, Russo and Dixie Carter leaked emails. Number four, wrestling boss having indiscriminate sex with wrestlers. Um, and which is more, again, about uh, Dixie Carter having sex with Shane McMahon. Number five, Jim Cornette implies that Dixie Carter slept with Kevin Nash. Number six, Conan shoots on the fact that Dixie Carter insert sexual comment here with Kevin Nash. Dixie Carter on Twitter, at Soccer Beast. If you want to be a wrestler, let me know. So... I can't believe you can blame her for fucking Kevin Nash. I don't understand why anyone thought TNA was going to be really good once Dixie Carter took in control. Like, it's just, it, it's a car company being run by someone who's never even used a bike. Like, that's like that's what this company very quickly, that's a really good analogy. Really quickly became. And also, all of the wrestlers they got are incredibly damaged, both, like, emotionally, literally. So, what are they to do besides just fucking start pumping out some bad ideas oh man like because the whole thing about even they talk about how bischoff challenged vince mcmahon to a fight and that was one week on nitro and everyone talks about how shitty that was this was like two months of tv and then they get on the impact and the new age outlaws declare themselves the winners of the feud because wwe refused to acknowledge them which essentially is like i'm gonna fucking show up to your party and then someone outside goes you can't come in the party and he's like well i win because i showed up to the party and you wouldn't fight yeah me. And it was like no you're not important enough like i guarantee when they showed up to wwe because there was they were at wwe catering i guarantee what happened was <laughs> like a wrestler saw them, like Hardcore Holly saw them, and when it's like, Billy, you look terrible. You fucking, <laughs> please, eat. just have the vegetables, Billy. Yeah, were- <laughs> you need the vegetables. You're so gaunt. Don't you usually talk a lot more authoritative and with an accent? I don't know why I'm so concerned I've dropped every single way about me. How many waters do you think were in the Voodoo Kin Mafia's bag walking away from catering? Because I'm saying it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're going to kick your fucking ass. Billy. Did you bring all the... You brought a bunch of paper towel? Right. Okay, that salami looks nice. <laughs> you're gonna... You're gonna... We're gonna fucking kick your ass. And also... How many Cokes can I fit? I brought two backpacks for all the Cokes. <laughs> like, that's for sure what happened. Arena toilet paper and some fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Hummus? Ooh. Yeah. Well, you got... It's just for fucking... Uh, Whole Foods? Whole Foods hummus backstage. Wow. Yeah, we don't have that in TNA. In TNA, we just have a sign that says, try harder. <laughs> yeah, this is this is what happened. Triple H, you've always been such a... Is that a make-your-own-omelet bar? And then they just have omelets in silence. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, the, the only thing that the Voodoo Kid Mafia were known for after that was the silent scraping of plastic forks on plastic plates. <laughs> they're just taking... They're just like, ooh, hey, hey. Lita, can you go up and say it's yours? I want another omelet. Of course, Billy. Yes, yes, Thank Billy. you so much. Yeah. Hey, 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 China. And he's, he's speaking to Gail Camp. You look good. You look good. Um. <laughs> well, you slimmed out. Wow. You don't have that chin. Uh, my name's Gail. What? No, I thought your name was Jody. This is going to be really good. This is something I'm very proud of because this next feud is uh, they start feuding with the villainous Christy Hemi, who basically her character is women deserve respect. And then Billy Gunn says, why would I respect you? You're a fucking slut. And then the crowd cheers. Wrestling. 
Right, so like, what? So like, and then she eventually starts getting tag teams to try and uh, beat up the outlaws. A bunch of TNA homegrown talent tries, and they can't do it. But then Damage and Basham, who are OVW rejects, be actually do it. So once again, implying if you're even within sniffing distance of a SmackDown job match, you can beat someone in TNA. But if you're a homegrown TNA talent, get the fucking fuck out of yeah. here. I hope you're Danny Davis's favorite wrestler in OVW, because uh, if you are X Division champion for a year... But you better not have won an actual Super Bowl and then come to TNA as opposed to the WWF because we will then make you lose in a variety of pig slop on an actual man's penis match. (laughs) So Billy Gunn, Kip James, was in the fateful Fight for the Right Reverse Battle Royal, uh, which, of course, was won by Eric Young. And then, of course, baby, ooh, Snoop Doggett Dog, he was in a Feaster Fired match. And BG James wins, and and then he just tossed Kip the briefcase, and they open it, and it was a tag team title match. And this leads to the breakup of the Outlaws, because Kip James says, I haven't figured out who my partner's going to be yet. This is the craziest thing, in that they don't... Oh, sorry, BG James says, I haven't figured out who my partner's going to be yet. All right, this is, but this is the crazy thing, is how was that... That then shows right there that wrestling is fake because there was a tag team thing in that box for that battle royal, and of course because it's this is Vince Russo totally unfettered. Oh no, this isn't. This isn't. Uh, this is all uh, absolutely Vince Russo with the fucking. They've taken the leash off, but this is the Feaster fired match, which was a ladder match where you open a briefcase and it's either a title shot or you're fired. No, I agree, but it shows that that was it was rigged for him to win because the. Um, Oh, because it's ta- all tag team guys. It was a tag. It was a tag team match. No, because it was all right. So it was uh the oh, it was an all tag team feaster fire battle royal. Yeah, and well, the other combatants were Scott Steiner, Chris Daniels, and Petey Williams. So those were all parts of tag teams, and there was just one member of the tag team competing in the match, and then of course. BG James rallied to beat two guys who were actually athletic and then one guy who used to be athletic but then he got an experimental surgery in Mexico and now his heart is a bottle of empty tequila. Uh-huh. Yeah, baby. So this leads to their breakup and they had a 10 years of friendship grudge match where BG offered to shake hands after the match but then he, Kip James shook his hand and delivered a vicious clothesline this leads to, of course, the Road Dog transitioning into a backstage role at TNA, which he still holds this day in WWF, ending the, not ending actually, but putting a plug on the relationship between uh, Road Dog and the New Age Outlaw himself, the man with the real name, Billy Gunn. And this leads to Billy Gunn working with the beautiful people for two years, which we will talk in in our episode fucking six our second episode on the TNA run of Billy Gunn because, baby, we don't care about your time. Hope you enjoyed doing the dishes. Please use headphones when you listen to the show also. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, never forget that we have talked more about Billy Gunn than Dylan or I have ever talked to our significant others. <laughs> Seven hours on Billy that is Gunn. true. 20 minutes max with our gals. Boom, boom, boom cumulatively over a few years dylan what are we gonna do the best and worst things of 
the first. Part. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Best thing about the TNA run. Uh, it's not still happening. Worst thing. It did happen. Go ahead, Dylan. I think the best thing about the TNA run that Billy Gunn had was when he called Christy Hemi a slut. Because <laughs> he could tell he really meant it. And it was the first thing he said over the microphone that he really meant. So, yeah, he had a real gusto behind it. I'm going to agree with that. You're a fucking slut. Yeah. And I think the worst thing about Billy Gunn was all those moments where he had to pretend he didn't think Christy Hemi was a slut. <laughs> the rest of his career, he's thinking, like, this girl's a slut. And then he finally said it. And you know what? No, for sure, Voodoo, the Voodoo, like, the whole thing is the worst thing. Voodoo Kin Mafia is bad. The, the, the Your Mama battle with the Dudley Boys is probably the most cringy thing I've seen on TV. I'd rather watch porn in the living room than watch that with someone I care about. At least... At least they could understand why I'm watching porn. Why porn in the living room specific. Are, like, are there other people walking around in the living room, or it's just like you have said, like the idea of not of doing it anywhere but the bath. <laughs> no, I mean like you're watching porn in the living room. It's 4 p.m. and if anyone walks in, you're just watching porn. <laughs> oh, oh, I understand. What like I always like I always think first day of, I'm putting on Debbie Does Dallas, and then no one's here to stop me. <laughs> I just mean someone walks in, you're like Jesus Christ, Dylan. What are you doing? He's like that guy's in good shape, huh? <laughs> that's the point with porn where you're literally just talking about the body shape of the participants Ooh, how do you get those abs you think that guy does crossfit because he's been thrusting like this for about 10 minutes you're just really thinking about that I'm, now Ooh, oh god i'm just thinking about how crossfit what the size fad was i think it was just push-ups somehow we've gone from <laughs> to now crossfit and it really bothers me. it was p90x which i think maybe still is kind of crossfit um, yeah, that's all the fucking say. It was all the P90X DVDs where I was like, I'm in really good shape. Okay, cool, what do you do? Uh, well, I hit my knees with a hammer. <laughs> oh, I have no cartilage left, but I'm in great shape. Yeah, oh no. Take that, P90X, I'm fat. Uh, <laughs> I have show details, they're all on my website, dylangot.net, dylangot.net, and... Follow us on Facebook, that is The Wrestler Review Podcast, for our Facebook page where we put up videos, the select promos, every week. Um, of the person we're going to be reviewing, so we'll put on some fucking TNA bullshit this week, and please follow us on Facebook, sorry, Twitter and Instagram, at Wrestler Review, that's at Wrestler Review, all one word. Please follow us on SoundCloud, follow us on, or subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you like the show, it can really help us out if you give us a good review on iTunes or any other podcast platform that we might uh, be on, and also if you want extra content or to give us some Skrilla for the hours of hours of work we put in talking about fucking losers every week, patreon.com backslash wrestler review, that's patreon.com backslash wrestler review. Thanks very much for listening, guys. And suck on my dinky winky. Please fucking pay us. We we've had to talk about Billy fucking Gun for s at the end of this seven seven hours. fucking hours. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good night or day.